What's up, guys? Back again here, Jay Ping, checking in, respectmyregion.com. We are here on episode, believe this is episode 13, I'm sorry, 14 on this one, everybody. We've got Jake Taylor, co-owner, head of operations at No-Till Kings in Long Beach. Jake, thank you so much for being a special guest with us today. It's an honor to have you. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, you recently, uh, we, we recently came together on Instagram, uh, until the other day, we didn't know each other's names because that's how people connect in 2021. Right. We post, we post asking for help. Hopefully your friends and family support. And the next thing you know, you're on a podcast less than two weeks later. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, man, um, for many people here in, and, and myself as well, I actually discovered your brand about a month ago. Uh, I was just telling you uh, before this, before the episode started that uh, a friend of mine, uh, his, his girlfriend had pulled out a jar of the mimosa. It was the best mimosa I'd ever had here in California. Didn't tell you that before the show, but I said that out loud when I was with them and I was just really astounded. And then the next thing you know, he's DMing me your post saying, yo, hit these guys up. We're trying to do some things. And here we are. So please introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and No-Till Kings, a living soil-centric cannabis cultivation company, correct? Yep, exactly. Yeah, so my name's Jake. Uh, I run our companies called No-Till Kings. We're based out here in Long Beach, California. And uh, like Joey said, we're uh, fully cultivated in living soil. So that's what we're all based around is cultivating our flower in living soil. And what that means is that we're not throwing out our soil every round. So we're actually replanting in the same body of soil every time that we flower. So mm -hmm. our flower, we have these we have these beds of soil in the flower room. Um, and we got a bunch of photos on Instagram. And so we're replanting. Uh, in the same in the same body of soil, we're on our uh, seventh cycle in one of our rooms, and it as long as we continue doing analysis and and we really just dial it in, the soil will get better, um, and so it's it's much more sustainable and just better for the environment, uh, and and it's one of the cleanest ways to grow cannabis. I have tried recently some living soil products out of Vegas. I've tried it a couple of times here. I've tried it a few times up in Washington. I'm a fan because people talk a lot about sustainability. Sustainability is one of these buzzwords, man. Marketers, it's it, people care about it too, though. So it goes beyond just this buzzword, right? And that's where when you think about the impact of soil use, cocoa, and all the different ingredients it takes to really cultivate cannabis at a high level, can you talk to me and uh, talk to the people here a little bit about why did you go that direction? What are some of those nitty gritty details that really ultimately led you down that path? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, it, it's something that, that we've been wanting to do for a while for how we wanted to cultivate when we were getting licensed. Uh, it took a long time to get licensed. Like we started, uh, we started this in 2016, 2017 and finding our building and had to do all the permitting and, and the build out and the construction and getting the whole place uh, built out. And then we got licensed last uh, last January in 2020. And it's just been, it's, it's the way that we know, we've known that we've wanted to cultivate and we've done it on smaller scales, but to do it commercially, to bring that to the commercial market in Southern California um, and growing indoor flower, we just really wanted to kind of push the envelope on living soil indoor cultivation. And it just takes a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work and dedication and uh, we're we're slowly getting there. Um, Absolutely. And I was I was looking through your guys' Instagram, um, No Till Kings at No Till Kings, correct? Right? And and I was and I was so intrigued at the various. I I'm going to use just the term ingredients that you use to create this soil environment. And so, could you walk me through some of the like? There was this particular post where you guys were grabbing some of the stuff on the top and just moving it around, and you lifted it up, and there was all these earthworms and castworms or whatever it is. Yeah. So. Talk to me about this this soil biology that you're creating. You are creating an entire microhabitat around all of your plants, right? Yeah, yeah. So in some of those videos, some of those are the mother plants. And mm -hmm. in some of those, we're uh, basically, it's similar to the flower beds. 
Um, but basically we have a lot of cannabis stalk mulch. So our own stems from the plants that we've grown mulched up to create a nice like mulch top layer. Um, and then the worms are uh, breaking down other organic matter and creating rich castings. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so th there's that whole aspect to it. And with the mother pots, we're constantly cycling them around. Um, so like we'll grow one for, you know, maybe six, eight months and then cut it and then let that pot kind of re uh, regenerate for a little bit. Um, okay. But exactly, we're basically creating the uh, rich ecosystem within each each soil pot or uh, whether it's a bed uh, for our mothers, we're using 30 gallon pots, but we're basically creating this rich ecosystem. There's, there's worms. We've got other beneficial microorganisms. And then we're also doing compost extracts, uh, which really enhance the biology in the soil. And then we also do soil analysis, which you definitely got to do on commercial scale. Yeah. Uh, and soil and the soil and frequently and too, correct? You probably yeah. do that fairly often to maintain to maintain. Correct. We try to do the we try to do like mineral analysis once a month. We're, we're trying to do biological analysis also like once a month, but sometimes we push that to once every two months. Are you doing that through a lab or through your guys' own testing in house? So we do uh, we do like mineral analysis through a lab, and then we send the results to this group that we work with called Cressive Soil. And then they help us formulate top dressings mm -hmm. and then them samples directly to do biological analysis. And then they'll look at, look at it under a microscope to chart the different bacteria that we have in the soil and to see if we have any uh, levels of like uh, beneficials or non-beneficial bacteria and fungi um, just to see if we're improving or if we're getting worse in some, in some areas and what we got to do to correct that. That's so interesting. So it's like in real time, well, maybe not necessarily in as every single step of the way just yet in every second, every millisecond, but to be able to do that and to kind of quality check uh, against all those bacteria, the good ones, the bad ones, because everything's about balance down there in the soil. That That's really what I understand is all these plants require different situations. There's a gentleman that recently, I think it was, just, I mean, not to say that I know everything that he talked about, but big shout out to, uh, uh, King Solomon nutrients, Damien Solomon, um, you know, really broke it down to me that all these different fruits, all these different plants require a different thing. They require different unique kind of uh, sets of stuff to really help it really go be a, the best version of itself. Now plants are resilient. They can definitely do and grow and things in a lot of situations, but they're to really maximize them. There's just a lot of tricks to the trade. Right. And for you, how do you, and for, for the strains that you chose, how do how do you feel that the cookies and cream number two that you have with the mimosa, why those strains for your process, right? Yeah. So, well, well, well one thing actually is that uh, with those two in particular, we pheno hunted those from seed. So mm -hmm. those are our particular phenos. Um, and basically, we're also growing some clones from another from a local nursery here in Long Beach, clone guy. But uh, we're not trying to select strains based on, I guess, like the pairing of the biology and the soil. We're, we are really selecting on just like what's super fire, and then mm -hmm. from that, then we can kind of establish how the soil is gonna gonna uh, react to certain strains. But to be honest, like with uh, when you're really trying to build like good living soil. You just have to more focus on the soil and not eat plain in particular because there's going to be a lot of different stuff in the soil and each strain is going to pick up stuff uh, differently. They're going to pick up, you know, minerals slightly differently, but that's where you just have to, it, it takes a lot of time to balance, to ba just get the right balance in the soil. And and we're still working on it, but it's not really a, uh, it's not really a one strain. We're heavily over top dressing with something else than than another strain right now yeah uh, and part of that can sometimes be either just rotating where they're growing so everything is getting a balanced uh, like a balanced feed of what we're top dressing mm -hmm. um, but if there are situations where we're constantly growing the same strain in one in like one bed or one room and then through that through over time and soil analysis we can really see if something is constantly getting pulled out versus like another room um, so like the top dressings change every time, but we're not necessarily, we're not necessarily changing it 
per strain. It's more it's more based on like the soil analysis of a particular area. Yeah, absolutely. No, that makes perfect sense. I mean, it's all going to be different as it's going when you're going to, to do it based on those areas and to do those checks. Now, for you guys, you guys are at a Long Beach. Long Beach has a unique climate. You guys have got water, different moistures than, say, deserts, right? Talk to me about the conditions of what it, what it is like growing in Long Beach in such a legendary cannabis culture area. What is it like to be such a, you know, a part of that community? Yeah, um, I mean... Long Beach is pretty cool. Um, Long Beach is a really cool area. It's uh, definitely solid for business. Um, it, you know, we're we're definitely like like separated from the main LA area, mm -hmm. but you know we're uh, it, it's a it's a huge it's a huge area just all of Los Angeles County, but um, like Long Beach itself kind of has its own unique market and, and there's a lot of good shops in Long Beach. Uh, oh yeah. Do you shop at anywhere particularly yourself or are you only smoking no-till kings? Uh, I mean, I'm mainly smoking no-till kings like flower, like pretty much only and uh, occasionally, you know, every now and then try something. Yeah, of course, but, of course. Uh, and, and then I, or, uh, we collab all our wax with cold fire extracts. Okay. And so... I'm always smoking cold fire extracts. Okay, uh, big shout out to Cold Fire. Yep, big shout they out. Got good, they got good. So they got some good. They got good stuff out there. I've heard of them. In the uh, I've heard of them. Um, do you have a particular set of strains that obviously you're smoking the things that you grow? But yeah. over you know over your lifetime of uh, in your cannabis career as a smoker as a dabber, do you have strains that you gravitate towards? And could you explain maybe why you like those? Mm. Um. I mean, I, I definitely like OGs, so we do have an OG coming out. Um, I like this cookies and cream a lot. It's a it's a unique fino. Um, it's got a nice cookie. It's got a nice cookie flavor, um, and a good like creamy doughiness to it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, our mimosa is super fire. It's it's very unique, very unique. Um, and I think we have a really good cut of mimosa, like the fino that that we selected from the seeds that we hunted. Uh, was that also from the Mr. Clone guy that you were talking about? No. So the, the seeds that Mimosa came from uh, are bred by Symbiotic Genetics. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Familiar with Symbiotic. Yep. Um, love, love, love their work. Stuff. Yep, yep. And then the cookies and cream is bred by Exotic Genetics. Big shout out to Exotic. Now I'm familiar with the man, the myth, the legend, Mike. Big yep. doing, his, doing his thing, doing his thing. And so, so those two, so those are the two strains that we have hunted from seed. All right. So we've got cookies and cream number two and mimosa, and then we're currently growing gelato and OG. Those are from clone guy, the genetics we got from clone guy. And then, uh, so basically back to your question of what I like. Um, I mean, I, I'm really just into like super fire stuff, whatever's like super fire, but and that's why like we're constantly looking for new stuff so we're always looking for better turf profiles but uh a lot of like the i mean just heavy stuff i mean if it's gas you know just super gas stuff what or, about so do you prefer fruity gas piney gas citrusy gas a lot of people do say gas but yeah I, you know what are you pulling out if you and i are standing next to you know, all we're standing next to Snoop Dogg. What are you pulling out yeah, for Snoop? Like four different things, probably all this fire shit that we grow. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, honestly, like just whatever super fire. But in terms of like gas, like if it's like an OG gas, I mean, our mimosa when we're trimming it, it'll have sometimes it'll give a unique like orange gas flavor. Um, but when I'm thinking of like a gassy strain, I'm thinking of like a heavy OG or just like. You know, maybe yeah. like a heavier cookie OG cross. Um, Absolutely. But also, we have a Jack the Ripper we'll be coming out with. Um, I, I also big, like the strains too. Like, I'm, I'm uh, the only things I'm really not a huge fan of are, are like cheese strains. Some people really like them. I'm not a huge yep. fan personally. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm not a huge cheese fan, but I'm going to give this head cheese a chance today. We're going to see how that goes. Now, typically on the episodes, Jake, we have this segment called What Are You Smoking On? So talk to me a little bit about what are you smoking? What's it taste like? How does it make you feel? Right. So 
Well, currently I just rolled up uh, some of our cookies and cream and a little bit of gelato. I've kind of been doing some oh. mixes half and half. I like it. I like it. The joint salad. Yep. And then I also rolled up a mix of some uh, some Jack and mimosa. That makes a good mix. Because we're, we're wow, gonna that's gonna that's gonna have you ready to go dunk on somebody here soon. Right. I love like those kind of sativas. They make you feel dope. They make you feel creative. They make the sun hit you, and it's just beautiful. More beautiful outside sometimes, you know. Oh yeah, love the jam. This uh, this is some. It's it's the cookies and cream and gelato. Hell yeah! So in terms of the high from that, you know, a lot of people say they smoke cookies. A lot of people smoke gelato. For those people that are watching that don't, this is some Long Beach grown weed. What is your cookies? and your gelatos feel like and taste like for you? Um, the, the cookies and cream is super smooth. Um, the gelato has not released yet. The, the, this is from uh, from our, our like last run of it. We ran like a couple plants to test it out. Mm -hmm, and, uh, mm -hmm. We've got more uh, getting ready right now. So it'll be uh, it'll be ready middle, <laughs> middle to end of September. <laughs> the cookies and cream is, uh, it, it's got a, it's, and, our strains truly taste how they smell. Um, and we, we are really dedicated to growing excellent flour and only putting out the best, highest quality uh, cannabis that you, you can buy and cultivate yeah. it in soil. Um, and so if it comes in a jar from us, it's going to be super fire. But I feel like a lot of people are good growers. I feel like not many people are good dryers and curers. It's tough, and you know, it, it just takes time. And we're we're not experts by any means. We're, we're we it, it, it takes time to become that expert, right? It, it yeah. takes harvest and seasons, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're not experts. We're we're constantly learning and improving every day, always trying to get better. And I constantly preach that we have to work so hard, so extremely hard, just to mm -hmm. become relevant as as a cannabis company, as, as a brand. And then we have to work, once we become relevant, we have to work even harder just to stay relevant. 100%. Uh, and I truly You're only as good as your last harvest, man. And and yeah. if we put out, if, you know, I say we, we on the same team now, we all, we yeah. I support the fire and the mimosas, delicious everybody, 10 out of 10, 12 out of 12. I would recommend seven days a week, 365 and twice on all holidays because you need one for yourself and you better give some mimosa to someone as a gift. Okay, for real, for real, that mimosa was, Pray for that. I pray for that mimosa to always be around in my life. That's something that you carry a hundred percent of the time, always in the stash. That's how good it was. It tasted, you guys, that mimosa tasted like a drunken clementine. clementine. It tasted like a drunken, funky, sour, piney, gassy clementine that's been dipped in some OG. Ugh, it was so good. I smoked four joints that night. That one made me sit in my car and contemplate, am I too high to drive right now? <laughs> because that one was the tipping point, right? You know, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. when you're a little older, late at, smoking late at night and you got a 40 minute drive, that's hard. That's what, right. you know, you start nodding off, you know, if you're really tired and shit, long day, <laughs> right? That one, was my tipping point. I literally had to question, is it safe for me to go? Because it was so potent. And I just remember, I just remember having this taste in my mouth of this, you know, like I said, drunken oranges, this drunk clementine oranginess in my mouth for like straight up an hour and a half. It was wonderful. So everybody, North American Weed Tour Podcast, episode 14, we've got no-till kings in the building, repping the LBC, man. It's so dope to have you on. I want to learn a little bit more about the brand, No-Till Kings. Talk to me about the name, okay? You're yeah. one of the you're one of the few <laughs> cannabis companies out there where cannabis and company or the word weed, marijuana, or something along those lines <laughs> has no part of your name. So please tell me about the story of creating your guys' brand and your name. Yeah, so so, well, so the whole thing is based around cultivating in living soil and, and, and uh, the way that we farm is, is no-till farming and so no-till farming has been around for a while so what it means is that we're not tilling the soil so we're not uh in like in terms of our style because we're growing indoors we're not replacing all of the soil everyone every run um, yep. 
where a lot of groups, even if they're uh, growing in soil and using some type of uh, new, uh, like bed nutrient, a lot of times they're going to be throwing out the, all those soil pots every run and putting new soil in. Um, and so kind of waste. That's very wasteful. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that's where the name comes from. Uh, so it's the, our style of farming is no-till farming. Um, so you're the no-till kings. That's just no hands yep. down. You're positioning yourself yep. immediately. You're the no-till kings. Yep. So so in the world of living soil, in this no-till culture, you got you obviously had to look at other people that came before you to have discovered this, right? To come across this process. True. So talk to me a little bit about this learning process, the discovery of no-till culture, of living soil, and then your learning path throughout it, right? There had to be years and a process of just really perfecting it and schooling yourself. For sure. Um, so I would like, the first time I probably learned about it was uh, was seeing it from Mountain Organics. Um, he's like a big no-till guy on, uh, mm -hmm. on Instagram and like a while, like a while back and like, uh, in like 2014 probably. Okay. And it was just like, this guy's like growing in this soil. He says he's been growing in it for like 20 cycles, uh, like in these pots. And it's just like, what? And you see, and he like replants right next to the stock that's, that's in the soil. Um, and you're like, how's he doing that? And there's all worms in it and everything. Okay. Um, and he just, you know, preaches about like, like just talks about it. And, uh, he, he's like definitely one of the OGs in, in growing in living soil. Um, that's just been really like, that's talked about a lot of the knowledge. Um, and then also, I mean, in cannabis books and like in Jorge Cervantes's and in, in, in cannabis encyclopedia, there's, there, there's some stuff about living soil in there. Um, and then some of the books that, that, uh, that we, we have, it's just like the, like the living soil garden. I forget. I think uh, yeah. a lot of people are consulting books. If we ever have like a, like an issue that we're trying to look at, um, but mainly this is a great opportunity here to encourage all the people right now who have any questions right now, go drop them all on every one of his Instagram posts at no till Kings, because engagement is great on Instagram. So like follow, turn notifications on, watch all his stories, comment on all his posts, and please make sure you guys tap in and ask questions about the no till culture. I just yeah, want to interject yeah. that in there because you guys are small, a smaller craft company rep, you know, doing, doing it right. And you need all the engagement and support digitally as you can get. Appreciate that. So, so, so back to the question of, you know, we've got, uh, you discover it, you've got the, the mountain organics, right. On, 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 uh, on Instagram, there's a couple other either companies or gentlemen or, or just growers altogether doing it. Yeah. What, when did you start getting been, it? Uh, what's that? When did you start doing it? Uh, pr pretty much right then, kind of right when I found out, 2014, 2015. Um, and then, so w we just knew that it was like, th this This could be the way to do it commercially. Like, there's got to be a way. And then and then the, a group popped up in uh, Colorado doing it, basically kind of how we're doing it, uh, indoor. And so we've seen a, a couple other groups doing it. And then there's definitely large outdoor farms growing in living soil. Um and it, it's how everything should be grown legitimately. Everything should be grown and living, just like food in general, uh, if it can be. Um, it's less but, it's less harmful overall to the environment to do it that way. Um, when you're thinking about getting rid of the waste, I mean, it costs money just to get rid of waste. So it's like sure. when you create waste, you're creating a cost. For sure. That's and beyond the waste. For sure. And believe me, we're not hating at all on anyone that, that grows different ways. We, we like we I appreciate all types of fireweed. Um, and so there's no shade or hate on anybody farming any other way. Of course, um, of course. You know, uh, you can, but there's no denying the science of it either. Like, okay, cool. It is inconvenient that global warming affects some people more than others, but we're not going to just deny the fact that it's cold as shit or hot as shit in places. It ain't never been that way before. So like, exactly. you got, if you can grow cannabis, and it can be fire and you can do it in a way that the costs are cut down and you have better margins to the people that are listening. This is living proof. This gentleman's mimosa and the team, your team, whatever it is that you're doing, 
This was the best mimosa I've ever I've ever had in California. I'm gonna shut this door. So for you guys, again, if living soil can produce a, a product that good to compete with the quality of the price points that everybody else is doing, spending more money with less margins, these are things to reconsider. The North American Weed Tour is all about identifying the culture, business things, consumer sides, all of this. We love to learn about what you're using. We love to learn about what inspires you, where the education comes from. This is great. Mimosa, I see a, I see a Facebook comment coming in. Uh, it makes great hash too. Terpy weed is great for other items. The trim is good for other things. It can be used in live resin for to produce a really terpy product or a really terpy live rosin. There's so many uses for a strain like that. Uh, and it really needs to be brought back around. And so thank you for being one of the people and the brands that has that strain strong and alive. You'll always have a customer with me in that. Now, you started growing this. So this is 2014, 2015. You start getting, you start practicing the living soil tactics. Yeah. And, and before talk that, talk to me about those first couple runs. What did you practice with strain wise? What were you first growing yeah. in that stuff? Well, b b before that, I was just farming, like growing in soil using hydroponic nutrients, just like yep. like soluble nutrients, um, and growing outdoors. And so it, originally, like the way that I learned was a few years before that, and I was just trying with seeds. And I just kept popping seeds and like, I try to look stuff up and you know, you'd see like, there'd be forums on stuff um, for sure. But everything I just kept popping, <clears throat> like all the seeds were just like bullshit. And then, so eventually I was able to get some clones from a shop uh, in like 2012 or 2013 from one of the shops that started carrying clones. And so the one of the first ones I grew that, that I harvested well, I grew some like uh, some SFV, some, some OG love and, it love it uh just some like basic push strains <coughs> big fan big fan of sfv og smoke right. as often as i can find it these days because it's an underappreciated og in the current market for sure now <clears throat> so you start growing some ogs where do you remember how those turned out were they lemony were they actually ogs were the, they, did they the turn out piney? yeah the first one was super fire actually don't like what I remember, but I was probably putting myself on a, you know, maybe I was like, whoa, this shit's really good. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably see it now and be like, man, that was trash. Um, but when you, you know, those first few harvests, when you're really starting to get things going and see consistencies, that establishes this base layer of understanding that is really important to move forward into the commercial age of your company now, right? Yeah. Oh, exactly. 100%. And then. And so, so after doing it like for a few years in soil, um, then kind of we started testing out doing living soil, uh, just kind of on a smaller scale. And like we'd seen other people doing it, you know, in like starting to do it in Colorado commercially. So there's def it definitely just seems viable. Yeah, uh, I mean it's do it. People do it in. I think I've seen it in at least five markets for sure. Like, yeah, no, like exactly. you, you yeah. here, there's at least a couple, there's definitely a couple up in yeah. NorCal guaranteed doing it. Like we're yeah. definitely not the only ones doing it. We'll, yeah. we'll never claim to be, we weren't the first, we're not going to be the last. Of course. Um, there, there's, there's other groups absolutely farming and living soil. Killing it. It, it. It's a differentiating point and people also feel that cleaner weed leads to better product. For and sure. so, so there is this customer perception to some people that you know legal weed is actually worse than this than the 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 traditional market right there is a perception that people believe that that's a wash we all know that's not true it's not lab safe yeah. it's not tested it's a wash so then yeah. there's this other perception of people in the recreational cannabis world that you know the 21 plus market where organic weed or green clean green certified or whatever that that stuff is yeah, it matters, but for some reason, none of those brands are typically known for being Jungle Boys. Yeah, yeah we don't have, uh, whatever it is, whatever right. it is, right? They're just never known as being that big cloudy brand, okay? And then we start seeing the quality 
start to drastically improve in the rosin space because clean weed really shows out in rosin world and for rosin fans. And that's where I felt like the community then kind of backtracked to like, all right, rosin became so popular. And then the living soil rosin became like such a niche quality clean of the expensive rosin products that then yeah. it was like, where that's the flower it came from. It was like, that's the rosin, that's the flower. Oh, now I got to start buying that too. Typically people go from flower to the rosin in that order, right? So for you guys, is that part of the expansion of No-Till Kings is to is to get into, you know, a bunch of good quality extracts and start yeah. doing your guys' own super terpy washes? <clears throat> yeah, uh, p potentially one day uh, if we if we end up venturing and getting our own manufacturing license. Uh, mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. work with Coal Fire and they're a volatile manufacturer. So so we have BHO, like cured resins made. Yep. Uh, and in today's you know test market ever like ever, especially how cold fire makes it it's just as clean as as any rosin and it'll be healthier to be honest yeah um, but right now it's just really tough for indoor for like how we cultivate it's really tough to uh to like partner with a manufacturer that's going to make the rosin and then do the percentage or just like until we're either growing so much or if we do an outdoor farm in living soil and then do like live resin or like, I mean to do like fresh resin to make rosin. Yeah. Uh, it's just tough right now, but yeah, it's definitely like, you know, in the back of our mind, you know, uh, we, we're, we definitely want to do it in the future. Um, but it, it also takes like particular strains, particular cultivars that, are good for washing of course um, and that can take time uh, just to find you know which ones are super like super heavy yielders yeah so but, so cookies and cream mimosa which one is your favorite out of the two which one ooh. are you pulling out most often if you had to pick honestly i really like them both uh it's very tough very very tough there what what so yeah. mimosa has a little bit of that burst of energy and then it's a heavy one right yeah and, yeah and then, or traditionally heavy. it's surprisingly heavy the way the For way sure. it plays out right and then the cookies and cream I would imagine pretty it's pretty pr heavy you said it was dough, a good combination of gassy and doughy which means yeah, it's that it's a it's a sleeper right flavor. yeah it's more like a cookie and doughy mm. um, it's it, it's super fire. But uh, I honestly like them both a lot. Uh, I really like our mimosa extracts. They're super fire. Uh, and we've got a, uh, we have a mimosa cartridge coming out soon that is going to be one of the best cartridges around legitimately. Hell yeah. Uh, no, I'm definitely fire. excited to check that out. I, I, vape, I vape like no one's business. Right now I'm actually smoking some, uh, you know, mimosa on your side of the table. I've got some orange peel from Ember Valley. I try to stay with brands that are known to be terpy, um, brands that with good genetics. With you and the genetics you have there, those are trusted ones. I've smoked countless cookies and creams, and I prefer to buy mimosa. I, lo I love my good mimosa. Um, awesome. So for so for you, my friend, uh, when you go to when you go uh, to dispensaries, uh, do you like does your does your family shop there? Do you, does your people? Do your friends? Do, you know, does your whole ecosystem of people also shop at dispensaries as well, or, or are you kind of one of the the few people in your world that is that is mainly there? Um, I mean, my employees definitely shop at dispensaries. You know, mm -hmm. they're shopping around. Um, I shop every now and then, just yep. uh, for like random stuff. For sure. But, I'm not like out and about probably at a bunch of shops right now. hundred percent. hundred percent. I asked, I asked because I wanted to see if you had any kind of good, notably good or notably bad experiences with bud tenders, either as like a highlight or a low light that you could think of because uh, myself as a former bud tender, I'd like to key in on the experiences that people have at, at the dispensaries. I think it's important to either key in on the one that's either the most memorable or something the most recent because it gives us people a little perspective of sometimes cannabis can be like this and then also it can be like this. Um, the last time you went into a dispensary, what was your experience like? Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like every time I go in, it's, it's pretty regular. 
Um, I'm not like I'm not asking a lot of these bartenders. Of course, of course. Um, uh, uh, I used to be a bartender too, so it's like uh, so. And I, I mean, I, I'm also very well versed in all the products that they're selling. Usually, unless there's something brand new I've never seen that maybe I'll be like, "Hey, what's that?" Um, or some if I'm trying to find some weed, I'll be like, "What are, What are you smoking on right now?" Yeah. And I'll, I'll see what they point out. But like, I already know like what's on the shelf. You know what I mean? So um, I definitely know like what's out in the market. But uh, but I, uh, if I go in, I'm really like not asking a lot of these butt tenders. So it'd be hard for me to have a bad experience, I think. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, we've had numerous uh, owners, we've had numerous cultivators and extractors, all kinds of different people from the walks of the cannabis industry uh, go, you know, we all shop at dispensaries here and there. Love hearing the various perspectives on either the experience or the education and things of that nature. I think it's interesting to hear that you've had only good ones, uh, which to some credit is a credit to some of the bud tenders and the teams in the stores that you work with. You're probably shopping at places that you are doing business with, generally speaking. So shout out to those partners for the most part that you probably mainly shopping at. Everywhere um, go up here, they're super solid. Yeah. Uh, Long Beach has that culture, man. Long Beach has had dispensaries for a long time. Hell yeah. But yeah, no, I mean. Legal like, ones and illegal ones. Yeah, right. But uh no, I mean, there's a lot of good shops. I think, uh, like, yeah, I think there's a, like, we're in a unique industry where, I mean, it's like, we're selling some of the coolest stuff around, you know what I mean? Yeah. That people want to spend a lot of money on. And so, yeah. uh, what are some of those items that you guys make that, but you know, you obviously sell flour, right? What yeah. what are all the products that that flower is available in? So yeah, right now we have our uh, flower in eighths. We're about to have these boxes coming out. Oh uh, yeah, there we go. Stick that up there. Let me see that. Yeah. Look at that cool. That S is sick. Yeah. So that's the worm, and we're about to have these uh, boxes on a uh, release for our new drop of flower with the the new strains coming out. But right now our flower is available in eighths and. Okay. We're going to be coming out with joints soon. Uh, we've got a couple collabs with Cold Fire. They have our cookies and cream number two and mimosa and cured resin, uh, the dabable wax. Oh, yeah. And then we have a mimosa cartridge that's coming out. Going to be, yep. It's going to be next level. Like, if so is that, is, is that a live resin cartridge, CO2, distillate? What are we doing for that? This is a cured resin cartridge. Nice. But honestly, it's it hits better than every live resin cartridge out there. Um, I'm excited. If anyone sees a cold fire juice cartridge out there, just you, you got to try one. They'll they're very limited, but uh, very worth it. Oh yeah, big shout out! Big shout out to 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 your extraction partner. I think it's always exciting when people have the extraction tech and the process down to the point where you know, good, good, good material in good product out is generally what they say. Um, and I think that's a big credit to as well as to what you guys are putting in to, to have that good product uh, yeah. be coming out. Um, for no-till Kings, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, building the brand. So you guys have, you guys were in the 215 market, correct? Um, yeah. I kind of ran like like helped run a shop, and we we had to put. I mean, we put growing on hold just to, like, to get everything built out, and mm -hmm. it was so like nobody knew what was going on with the whole you know system and transitioning from that market into the new market. So we didn't want to try to you know pop a bunch of our stuff and then not be able to bring it in and get it into the the new metric. But then like you know at the beginning you could just kind of put anything in, so everyone was bringing, you know, just a bunch of clones in and stuff. So, yeah. uh, so that whole transition period was just like a clusterfuck. And now it's like easy to understand when I look back at everything, but, uh, when you're kind of in it at the time and nobody knows what's going on with the regulations, it's kind of just like, uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine having been in that position of doing something that's illegal and then gray and then, Suddenly it's clear, but then it's not yeah. because people interpret it differently. And, and you then, don't have 
license yet because you're not built out. You got to build it out, but then you got to wait to get the license before you're fully built out. So for like two years, we were just kind of, we kind of put everything on hold to try to do everything. And yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a, it's a teeter totter of like balance this way, move something forward, balance back, move it forward again. And then five steps back. Cause some, something changes all of a sudden. Yeah. And, exactly. uh, so, so with that, you guys start building it out. You have it on hold. Um, you know, what can you share about that process uh, in terms of some of the biggest obstacles you had to overcome with? Obviously, waiting on the licensing was probably huge, but in your build out, you're going from probably a smaller build out in this other market to now commercial craft in this rec market, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, it's just, this is all a lot of work, everything. It's all, you know, everything's licensed, got to get all the, everything permitted from the city. Um, and it just, like, I, like I was very, very involved. I built the whole facility and, uh, from the ground up and we, we had, uh, we hired an, a, a good electrical contractor and a good uh, mechanical contractor to do the air conditioning. And then I had a general contractor like me, this one general contractor, he, he, he helped me build it. And one other guy, and we put up all the walls and uh, I did all the floors and it's just a lot of work, you know, it, yeah. certain jobs you underestimate that you're going to try to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of work. We're, we're, we're still not at full capacity. We're like just under half capacity. And so we're, uh, we're going to be growing, hopefully uh, getting more stuff going soon. Yeah. And you have other, you have other, I mean, obviously you have the strains that you're running now that are very successful for you guys. Um, about how many stores can people find you guys in? Uh, right now we are in uh, four stores in San Diego. We got this shop called Cannabis and then uh, three March and Ash locations. Nice. Big and shout then, out to March and Ash. Yep. And then uh, up here in Long Beach, we're in Chronic. And then we're in uh, Green Wolf and Bellflower. Hell and, yeah. Big shout out to Green Wolf and Chronic. I'm familiar with both those spots. Hell yeah. And then when we have, we have these new strains dropping, uh, we should be launching uh, with those. We'll have drops at all of our current locations. And then, uh, we should be getting those, uh, new strains into all the catalyst locations as well. Nice. Yeah. Th those ones, uh, do great work on the experience and the butt tender education. Uh, big shout out to the catalyst and their entire team. I'm a big fan of just their curated menu is just wonderful. I love, yeah. and then having you guys on there makes a lot of sense too, because you've got to offer a diverse offering of the best, of the best, not just a bunch of dope ass designer, you know, exotic genetics, all crap, cross back, cross flip dipped in a mylar bag. We need, we, you know, I'm down for all those too. I'm down to smoke through all those and try them. Trust me, I like flavors. Ain't nothing to got. I got nothing against all the flows flavors for sure. But I also want to be able to try. You know, it's like going to a restaurant. I can order that fifty, sixty, seventy dollar, hundred dollar dinner and have it be, you know, all unhealthy and butter and steak or whatever, you know. But I'd also like the living soil version of that. All the cleanest vegetables grown the right way from the right kind of farm, sourced properly, and things like that. Um, you know, that's, that's the kind of educational level that we want to be encouraging people, not necessarily price wise. See, this is the thing people also need to understand is that cultivating the way you guys grow, it doesn't make it more expensive necessarily. Right. Actually the margin, see, just because you add in worms and, and, and these other different, you know, soil ingredients to create that, that unique habitat down there, right. That unique biology down there. Um, does it mean that the cost increases because you add those in you, you're removing pots and soil and so much of that maybe you added a little bit here and there to supplement right but it certainly isn't replacing rooms yeah. hundreds of hundreds and if not like i've heard some of the rooms have thousand you know a thousand plant rooms i've heard that right. are that are in this commercial space now seven you know 35 75 100 bam a thousand yeah Exactly. And and that's why a lot of people farm using rock wool, uh, because they're, it's lighter to work with and on a commercial scale. Um, and, and that's, I mean, it's challenging, you know, we're, uh, we're still working on getting our yields up. And a lot of that is just strain dependent, certain strains yield more. Um, 
but when you're farming with hydroponic nutrients, you can really like, uh, I mean, you really get the optimized yields. So, yeah. But the, uh, and that, and that, that kind of goes back to what I was saying. It's like, if you're growing blueberries, you don't grow blueberries the same way you grow tomatoes and you don't grow tomatoes the same way you right. grow squash and carrots or whatever it is. Right. So, and so it's and like, so what like what we're really trying to do is to show that we can cultivate in living soil and get just as good yields, uh, as you can hydroponically. Yeah. Um, or as Are you willing to share some of those numbers or even just like, any of the because it's not a flex i mean to me it's a matter of just like yo like we're not we're not quite at the yields that that some of these big hydroponic farms are getting but yeah. but we're getting there and a lot of that is strain dependent mm -hmm. um, but see uh, that's the thing is with mo with why i've heard people cut out mimosa it comes from yield issues is what i've heard in the past it's not yeah. at that commercial I can yeah. grow a million, a million plants and get, uh, and then get you know four million pounds of it, right? It just doesn't always do that math for people, right? It's not. I mean, it's not like the heaviest yielding strain, but it's not bad, and and it's super fire. Uh, even the bad, even like the fifteen dollar eight mimosa I've ever smoked, still tasted orangey. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the beauty of the turps. Like that, that weed was good enough for someone, just not for me. And that's fine. That's fine. You know, I got to yeah. take a dab. Do you, so for me, do you have any dabs over there? Or are you just smoking flour in that brother? I'm just smoking flour here, but yeah, I dab. I just have it like set up somewhere else. So are you, uh, are you on the first joint still? Uh, yeah, I'm just smoking this first joint. Nice, nice, nice. What's it? What do you feel like now after uh, 30 minutes of smoking that joint? I mean, I'm chilling. I mean, I was, uh, I was smoking some of our new pens earlier, uh, mm -hmm. before this, but, uh, do you ever feel like any of this stuff, you know, is there any strains that really just all of a sudden really put you on your ass or you're just like, Oh man, that one, uh, that, that did it. Um, I mean, I, I don't know about any strains like in particular, but like if, if I smoke a lot of anything, I'm gonna, you know, be pretty stoned. Yeah. But, uh, I would say more like, or if you put a bunch of hash in it or just a bunch of like, yeah, if you put I like your style, I like your style right there. P mix yeah. in some hash in there. I was actually considering, I'm going to take a regular dab of this right now. I'm a fan of the cold starts, but I brought over, I have some diamonds that I was going to put into this next joint. So we'll see how that goes. I was just going to infuse it a little bit, you know? Oh, here it is. Yeah, there we go. So how long how long have you guys uh how long have you been in long beach say that again how long have you been in long beach um so since 2017. yep um yeah so that's when we started this project up here and it took a year to get our building permit to go through all of the uh all the licensing everything for the city get the building permit so it took a year to just get the permit to then start building and then it took a year to construct everything um and then in that time of constructing everything we have to balance getting our state license and timing all that out so that we're not getting it too early to where it like starts and we can't even operate because the city hasn't licensed us um so timing all that was kind of a challenge it, it it's still like it wasn't perfect at the end we were off like by a couple weeks on each but whatever um yeah, yeah. but uh but that whole process it just took so a year to get the building permit a year to build it out so two years and then uh and then that's when we were able to start operating after that and it's been it's just taken a while to kind of just slow building sales, you know, and like we're a new brand. Nobody knows about us, but yeah, we're cultivating mm -hmm. in the soil. We're trying to put out the best, cleanest product out there um, yeah, and at a fair price point. So at like fair, a fair price of what, you know, fire product sells for mm -hmm. and not gouge people because it's like, because of like a brand name or something. Absolutely. You know, when you, when you, when you, again, when you commit to growing, quality fire you don't necessarily need to rely on brand packaging you don't need to rely on crazy merchandise or all these giveaways and contests you know and that's where people and these and a lot of retailers you know shout out to the retailers for doing great jobs and pushing cannabis to the people love oh. the retailers have their back 100 ways 
but in a lot of ways the retailers do put a lot of pressure on these brands to strictly rely on sending them the traffic and redirecting it all the time whether it's posts newsletter blast text blast whatever it is and there's nothing wrong with that it's okay to put the responsibility onto your partners it's okay to split the effort right there's nothing wrong with any of that but in the infancy of the industry it is often being leaned onto the brand to take care of creating awareness for this stuff. And that makes it difficult for small businesses and makes it difficult for people that don't come in and have necessarily the same funding situations. Uh, it, it just is tough not to make excuses for people. It's just, it is, it's a, it's a reality to acknowledge that it's just tough. And for you guys, uh, what are some of the things that you guys as a brand do to really stand out? You know, are you guys big on education? Are you big on, you know, uh, you know, are you big into the social media, the giveaways? What do you feel are your some of your tactics and how you're approaching uh, the market? Um, like oh yeah, a few different things, I guess. But so we, I don't know, we like we do all of our own sales, right? So when we go and meet with a when we meet with the shop, we'll let them know like, hey, you know, we're we're the owners, right? Like I'm there seven days a week. And so some of them do definitely relate to that. And so, you know, we'll let them know we're, we're small. Um, but we do try to give the bud tender samples. Um, we're going to start doing more samples soon. We've got like some smaller packaging coming out. And then when we do these joints, we'll be able to do more samples and more like appreciation days, like yep. by the eighth at the joint or whatever, by, by the eighth at the gram. Um, but it, it's just <clears throat> a while to get all these different like types of packaging uh, made and get it implemented and, and everything rolled out um but ma it's ma you know mainly through the shop just like for the shops talking to the butt tenders like educating them um and just like talking about how we're farming farming living soil how we're different how we're the owner operated we're not like everything we put out we grow we're not just we're not just buying a bunch of flour and repackaging it um, yeah that's important for people to understand can you say that again <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's key, let's key in on a free key phrase. Everybody, North American Weed Tour <laughs> Podcast, episode 14. Jake Taylor saying diamonds aren't able to be white labeled. But that's me saying that. What, what you said was good cannabis doesn't have to be repackaged, basically, right? Come on. So you grow your own stuff. It's true. It's yours. It's quality. It's able to be done a different way than a lot of people typically do it. You're right there in the big leagues with the best of them. It's a wonderful thing. Again, everybody, it was some of the best mimosa I've ever had in my life. Arguably, I, standing here right now, I don't remember another one that had that stanky dankiness to it. I just can't. I've smoked. I've, I, if there's some mimosa on the menu, I'm buying that. You know, that's the kind of yeah. person, the customer I am. There's just, it hasn't been around like that out here in over a year, maybe two. I have I didn't see it through COVID and I haven't seen it this year. Yours, absolutely unbelievable. For for you guys um, and you personally, let's, let's talk a little bit about how you got into cannabis. So you're going through life. Are you from California? Yeah, San Diego. Born and raised San Diego. Okay, cool. That's dope. Um, what part of San Diego? Down in Pacific Beach. Nice. What? Uh, what? When did you get up? Uh, get up towards this way. Uh, so I moved up to Long Beach in 2017. Um, okay. And then before that, I was kind of just like in different areas, San Diego County. Did you? Uh, did you guys always think you guys? Did you? Did you ever think that you were going to be in Long Beach? Did you ever consider other places? Uh, yeah, I looked at a lot of bunch of different places, and. Mm -hmm. It just turned out like I'm very thankful we ended up in Long Beach, but uh, Long Beach just is very solid on getting licenses for for not for, for like they don't necessarily have limits on non retail licenses, whereas a lot of cities have limits on cultivations and distributions, which is very kind of like there's no point in having a limit because it's going to raise a lot of tax revenue and. Uh, yeah, basically, but um, Long, Long Beach is, has that great industrial area too, which has good and bad aspect, good and bad variables for that. It, in, you know, in its own little climate, if you would, uh, and 
but that means that there's buildings. That means that there's spaces to grow. That means is that yeah. there's, depending on the day, the month, the industry over there, there is opportunity for the city to make money and have a quality cannabis company come in to do a lab, to do extractions, to grow, or to do all of it, right? I know that there's some really good big companies out there as well. Yeah, there's a there's quite a few different groups in Long Beach um, and just the surrounding areas, but uh, yeah, like a, a lot of cities have a lot of industrial area. Talk to me a little bit about your guys's testing process. For I know I know a lot of companies put um, put a ton of effort into making sure that their brands test so high that you know only we all know buyers really do make sure that they say you know, pick the highest THC and they're doing that not because they want to, they're doing it because that's what keeps them the job because that's what sells. Right. So yeah. you guys, so, you guys are obviously committed to a culture of this no-till, you know, living soil. Um, you know, let's, let's chat a little bit about testing. Uh, you know, what is your thought process in the culture and that you create in terms of that world? Yeah. Um, Honestly, we really are not like testing focused on on the numbers, mm -hmm. and we know that true connoisseurs are also not numbers focused. Nope. Um, and yeah, I mean that's just kind of what it is. Like our cookies and cream tests at like twenty eight percent sometimes, sometimes thirty percent, sometimes it's twenty five percent. Sometimes that's lab. Who knows? Like honestly, any real grower will tell you like. Like I'll send the same shit to three labs and get three different tests or I'll send the same plant to the same lab with different parts and get different tests. Um, and so every part of the plant could test differently slightly. And yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, but we're not numbers focused. It's nice when things test high. Obviously it's like, Oh wow, that's great. They're going to like that. Um, right. 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 Uh, you know, if it tests low, it's like same strain. Like, oh, you know, that was like five percent lower this round, but still smokes the same. Oh Weird. yeah. Um, do, and what about like terpenes? Do you guys test for terpenes? Do you look at the like, Do you look at the full yeah. cannabinoid content and the COAs and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I'll look at the cannabinoid contents and all that because that's all in the in in the regular test. But we don't like test for terpenes every round. We have on uh, on one of the rounds, mm -hmm. but uh, one thing too that I was uh, reading about. One of these, uh, one of an old school grower talking about terps just in flower, and how sometimes it can be misleading because some things will test low that are really terpy, that are like the best tasting flower, but some things that test with high terps have no flavor when you actually smoke them. Interesting. Um, but uh, I'm not against like testing for terps if we have to put all that on. Yeah, I, I bring that up because. Uh, I was going through the comments on YouTube earlier today, and there were some people commenting about, um, you know, Massachusetts and Vegas and uh, those yeah, states. Requires, they, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, Nevada requires the Terps. Massachusetts required the Terps. Uh, California and Washington don't, I believe. Um, and then, well, California for sure doesn't. Uh, Washington, I just don't know. Oregon, I don't know right now either. Arizona, not sure. Oklahoma, not sure. But it would be interesting to see how that plays out because in the current, the way that the industry is currently set up, people really believe that terpenes dictate the type of high, how long, you know, like you just said, more or less terpene content kind of can be identified in the smoking side of it, the inhale, the exhale. And if it's more or less, it's just associated that it's with something, you know, oh, I'm this kind of high because of this terpene, right? <laughs> Which, in my experience, I feel is pretty consistent. I'll be real. I do feel is pretty consistent, but it's hard to gauge it every time. So I really like to rely on the science, which is why I asked. I think it's interesting. You know, you've probably looked at countless COAs for your products over time. And just to be able to know, um, you know, the, the kind of maybe the kind of consistent results that your, that your living soil environment can potentially create. Um, yeah. For you guys, what, what's on the horizon here um, for No-Till Kings? What do you guys have coming up? Um, well, we've got some new strains dropping in September. We've got uh, the and the OG coming out in addition to our cookies and cream number two and the mimosa. 
and then oh, yeah. the later probably in December we'll have potentially three to four more strains coming out uh, so we're really just trying to bring new flavors uh, we've got some really cool wax collabs with cold fire coming out and company we're uh, no-till kings we're from California here in Long Beach um, how many, how many stores total so far? What is that? 10, 12? I, I, lost, I lost count earlier. You said four in San Diego, uh, a few through Long Beach. And yeah, then, sorry. And you guys are just getting going. Um, I was answering that question. But, yeah, anyway, uh, we're no-till kings cultivated in living soil here in Long Beach. We've got uh, two stores up here, uh, soon to be uh, a bunch more up in this area. And then we've got uh, four stores down San Diego that were in uh, cannabis and then March and four, three March and Ash locations. There we go. That, that's right. And then, and yeah, and then we're in Chronic up here and then Green Wolf Bellflower. And then hopefully we're going to be uh, launching our new stuff in Catalyst. And and just for the, the, the LinkedIn community that I have, I'm going to ask a couple of buyer-centric questions and help them. You know, I'm sure there's some people that will watch this that will be like, man, I, you know, I want to know this right now. So do you guys have the capacity to take on a bunch of accounts and some big orders and things like that? Um, we can, uh, we can accommodate, you know, like some smaller, smaller accounts. Uh, we're not like a super big group. So we're not, you know, we're not fishing super, super large areas. Of course it's, it's important to people to understand that it's either, crazy big commercial or this is craft this is long beach craft this is living soil coming up what do we call it? grass yeah, roots and, on uh, and, and and the one thing too is that cultivating in living soil is better for the environment and the best thing is that we're not throwing out our soil every time that we harvest um and so we're, we're really trying to work on educating that uh it just it just takes a lot of time, a lot of a lot of effort, and and we're trying to put out the best product. So we're trying to put out super fire, high quality flower, um, cultivated in living soil, and you know educating about sustainability, about how farming in living soil is better for the environment, uh, mm -hmm. and just how at, how it it really will become a large part of the future. Um, a lot of groups are gonna are gonna have living soil brands under their you know portfolio of cannabis brands that that they have you know what i mean as these large groups kind of form um but it just takes time it takes a lot of effort like to be a cannabis farmer you really have to love it you have to love farming you have to love the process of it it's a very patient game and a lot of work man that's uh, a that's a really inspiring game i hope everybody watching uh, if you're not in the cannabis industry, if you're ever interested in growing, those are very powerful words. Uh, the amount of effort it takes, the consistent grind. When you're growing things, they're relying on you. When you're trying to grow the best, it's a really a consistent do it at this time, stay disciplined kind of mentality. Um, and when I say kind of, I mean definitely a thousand percent. Because as soon as you stop giving that effort, the plants really notice it, right? So. It's true. It's, it just it happens immediately. Uh, in terms of you guys uh, and your guys' company, I really appreciate your guys' time and effort and being on the show with us here today. Uh, man, Jake, it's really been an honor to get to know you and to, to, to really get to know the brand at a higher level. Um, I'm all about craft companies. I'm all about supporting local. You know, RMR, respect my region for us. We, we come from the Pacific Northwest. We come from being a small company ourselves. And to work with people like you, the, 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 the small uh, hustlers that are trying to come in that are growing a quality product that really care about it. Uh, for me as a patient, I'm a true patient. I very much appreciate your craft for what you do. The cannabis, as I've said numerous times, was some of the best mimosa, if not the best that I've ever had. Um, at No Till Kings on Instagram is where you can find them. Give them a follow, turn notifications on, like all their photos, comment on all of them, show love, show emojis. Go buy that weed. Fly into LA. Fly into you can fly into Long Beach. It's a beautiful fly in. It's a beautiful view when you land and go over to Chronic and go buy that shit. Everybody, I highly recommend it. Jake, thank you so much for being on the episode. I appreciate Absolutely. you, my brother. 
Um, is there anything that you want to leave the people with before we get on out of here tonight? Uh, no, I mean, I appreciate, you know, appreciate being on. We're just trying to kind of share what we're doing. We're dedicated to cultivating the highest quality flower out there, hands down, always looking for new flavors. Uh, we got a bunch of new stuff on the horizon. So, uh, if you guys follow our Instagram, we'll be, uh, we post, we post very often about kind of what's going on. Uh, and just new stuff that, that we'll be having and where, where the drops are. Um, and yeah, just we're, you know, continuing to work hard, look for new flavors and that's pretty much it. Hell yeah. Everybody, this is Jay Ping here checking in, man. Respect my region, North American Weed Tour podcast, episode 14. Jake, not from State Farm, representing No-Till Kings. Everybody go show them some love, and I will see you guys on the next episode. Thank you guys for the love and support. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to Respect My Region on YouTube, Twitch. Go follow us on Instagram at, at respectmyregion.us. We also rebranded our hip hop Instagram to at respectmyregion.rap. Go tap in, follow. We've got a bunch of good music. And please, please, please go subscribe to our email blast where we will tap in very soon with more event updates. I will very soon be at Hall of Flowers, MJ BizCon, Secret Sesh LA, and then we will also be traveling to other states. I'll be in San Diego soon. It's a lot of good things coming up. Jake, thank you again. And good night, everybody. Peace.